I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to another Out of Spec Studio podcast. Uh, today, I will be your host. I'm Austin Schiefer. I have Ben Spreen and Mike Breeling with me today. I'm back. Hello. It's been a couple weeks. <laughs> Mike awesome. is back. That's right. All right. Well, to get us going, uh, we are a, I guess, kind of EV-centric news source in a lot of ways. Um, so we can start off with some of the hotter topics in the EV space. Um, I guess we can get going with one that we're all excited to talk about. Uh, EPA uh, range ratings came out for the Kia EV6 and the Ionic 5. Um, it looks like they both can get over 300 miles on the bigger battery. What are your guys' thoughts and comments on that? I'm pleased to see this stuff. Um I feel like that 300 mile barrier, whether it be EPA or real world range, at least for EPA has been kind of, I I think a lot of brands have been like poking at it, but not enough, especially mainstream cars in that, you know, lower, I don't, we don't know what it costs yet, but in that price predicted price category, you know, a little bit below model Y ish, you know, in that call it 38 to 50,000 range or something. More, it's good to see that, I think. Yeah, I mean, usually when you see uh, like range estimates come out, it's always, you know, the European cycle range. It's like 330 miles. And then the EPA range comes out and it's like 270. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's really good to see the EPA range over 300, uh, especially when you compare that to like the Polestar 2, which is probably going to be very similar in price to an EV6, at least the launch edition. Uh, gets 265 with just the front wheel drive version and it's all wheel drive version gets, I think it's like 245. Uh, so I think it's a really good barrier to break, especially into that more mainstream. Now I think they did say it's you no know, for the rear wheel drive long range version of both mm-hmm. cars. Um, and the EV six nudges out the Ionic five just a little bit. Uh, I'm assuming cause the Ionic five is way more boxy. Uh, compared to the EV6. And I know Kyle has actually reviewed an EV6 over in Europe. And it was pretty sleek, though I was surprised how big it was. But I think the EV or the Ionic 5 is actually pretty big as well. I know Kyle is supposed to be getting, or it has one today. If you follow his Twitter, he's posted a picture of it. Uh, So hopefully he'll be on here next week and can talk about the differences. And I know uh, amongst us, there's even some disagreements of those on this podcast currently about the design wise, which one you prefer. I am an EV six fan for sure. Um, And I know Ben is an Ionic five 
I like my box. So. I'm definitely yeah. on the Ionic 5 train. I'll however. take the square. Thank you. Please and yeah. thank you. I don't mind however, being different. It's fine. I like the, the chubby-looking Lancia Delta Integrale with an yeah. electric motor face for 500. I really, I really think that's what it is for me. As I see that, I'm like, that's an Integrale. <laughs> I can um, see that. It does. It's that, like, C-pillar. Yeah, absolutely. But I do really like the styling of the EV6. It reminds me a little bit. I was just recently taking some pictures of uh, one of my buddy's uh, Stingers. And you can definitely tell it's kind of the same design language. And the Stinger, I think, is a great-looking sedan. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. Kia's been kind of killing it in the design department, especially on the bigger vehicles. I think they've been doing really, really well. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we Ben and I had their new Kia Sereno hybrid. We loved the design of I it. I like that car. That car that was one of my favorite hybrids. Really good car. Yeah. I wish you could have just got it with the SX trim level to get yeah, all the nice yeah. stuff in it. Because they kind of, like felt like they neutered it by only allowing you to get the ex trim uh, the let me sidebar on that because i actually really yeah. like that product it's the best hybrid for people who want a hybrid but we just they don't hate themselves realistically because if you get say any other hybrid of the ecvt thing which means you accelerate and use your as a thing like revs out to five grand to slowly and begrudgingly get up to highway speeds this thing, six-speed automatic with a beefy electric motor in it. So it would do electric mode at like up to pretty good speeds because it was going through that gearbox and it would shift normally and it would feel very normal. And maybe an eCVT has some slight efficiency and or like response benefits, you know, because you're not having that big downshift, so to, so to speak. But it didn't matter because it made it feel much more like an electric car, especially at that lighter level of driving. Uh, I think that's how hybrids should be. And I think if hybrids were that way sooner, people would be buying them far more frequently than they do. Because everyone's used to the, the buzzy little Prius kind of experience, which is less yeah. ideal. That's exactly what we felt. And I think I even wrote that in the article that I wrote about that car. Um, but design-wise, actually, Kia, as like we just said, has has really been on a roll. I actually think the worst looking Kia currently is the Telluride, to be honest. Even out of like Ooh. their cars, I prefer like the K5 looks great. Even the new little Forte looks good because they have light bars. Like everything has light bars in Kia world now, which I love because it's everything should have a light bar. I wish minis could have a light bar, but I know that design wise that wouldn't work. Uh, but that's why I like the EV6. I love the taillight design and just the front end. I, I don't know. It's how I prefer it over the pixelated light looking things on the Ionic 5, personally. I boxes. love the pixelated lights. That's more boxes on my box. Makes me That's very why happy. you like the, uh, what was it? And, uh, and if you have cabin. very low artistic talent like me, it's an easy car to draw. <laughs> so that's already a bonus right there. But uh, EV6, I think I'll have to see it in person to make up my mind fully because I don't like any of its styling cues at all um, so far in pictures. But the, it's like also in pictures, it looks way smaller than it is. So maybe on a, everyone who's in front of it goes, wow, it looks amazing. So maybe that'll happen. Uh, but it's good they yeah. make two versions, one for me, one for you. you know, <laughs> yeah. Those with style, those without it, uh, you know, they've got a version for each. Yeah, you can sell your Taycan <laughs> and I'll sell the Mini and move on to that. Okay, See, that's actually that not a bad end. angle. All right, hang on. That's not the worst thing. I mean, it is Matt, matt Gray. So that's that like kind of cheating. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Matt Gray. It's probably the highest option one you can get. It's like Matt Gray, and it's like got mountains behind it and the light hitting it just right. So it's it's making a, a good case for itself here. Why but, does it have um, ears? I, I was trying to figure out what those were in the back. That's interesting. I, you know, Maybe. it has to do with aerodynamics. Come on. Yeah. But it's does it really? Downforce? Yeah. This car has been does. made for 100 years without those. <laughs> to make it more slippery. Right. I mean, I'm not. I can't, I can't unsee those it, now. <laughs> you know, fluid dynamics, but I'm assuming that's what it's for, hopefully. Yeah, but the Super had lots of, the Toyota Super had lots of vents on it for. None of those reasons, so who knows? It does look kind of interesting. Why they'd put a camera there, but it could be a camera. Oh, yeah, that could be a good camera position. No, nah, it doesn't it look big enough to have a camera housed in it. I have no idea. I kind of like it, though. I like it, too. Look, I just want to know the purpose already. that they're doing it. <laughs> the purpose. Because they can. 
Things need a purpose. It's my logic. Unless they're well, just I, cool. I am excited, and I, I believe the um, the base model goes two thirty two. I want to say. So even yeah. with not getting the long range rear wheel drive, uh, you're still having a very very usable. Very good. Very usable. Did, range. did they say what battery size that was or not really? Uh, I I believe that is a entry level fifty eight kilowatt hour. Hmm. That's actually pretty so, strong. Yep. Yeah, I and think the long range should be 77.4. Yep. And then the all wheel mm -hmm. drive, I think, gets you just under 300. Very efficient. I think uh, 274 is the all wheel drive. I think more car companies should consider the long range battery rear wheel drive option. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. always, in my opinion, okay, there's always the super fast one. And no one will argue that the super fast version of whatever isn't fun. But I feel like the biggest range possible in the rear-wheel drive configuration makes such a good all-round car. And I know some people have to drive both ways uphill in the snow and ice. That maybe not for you, but for like the rest of at least in the U.S., like ninety-five percent of the U.S. does not have to battle snow uphill every day. And so, like ID four stuff like that, we can get the bigger battery in kind of just a rear drive. Heck, even the Model Three long-range rear-wheel drive. Best Model Three variant they made. I agree. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I'm back from whenever they made the uh, like the '90s and the '75s, where you didn't have mm -hmm. to do the dual motor. Those were yeah. a blast to drive. Those are some. Oh, they were fun. great. Yeah, was, I think Seven, my Model S '75 no D rear wheel drive. Yeah. That was a fun car. <laughs> I think that was my favorite uh, Model S I ever drove. Uh, it was basically discounted P85 is what yeah, it was because it's the same motor. <laughs> yeah, it was so much fun, so much fun. I digress. Oh, yeah. I, I think that uh, I think that those offerings are going to be very strong. Pricing should be announced soon, is what everybody is saying. Um, so hopefully we get to see those numbers and get to compare them to some of the competition, like you said, maybe those Model Ys, Polestar, um, maybe even uh, ID4. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited. I think these are going to be very interesting offerings in the EV segment, and Hyundai and Kia have just been on their game lately. So oh yeah, very now they just stuff. have to start selling them in all of the states. Looking at you there, <laughs> Hyundai. Hyundai. Excuse me, Hyundai. Uh, look at me. Listen to the words I'm saying. <laughs> Offer it in every state this time. Same with you, Kia. I know what you did with the Kia Soul because the new one's beautiful and awesome, <laughs> and we can't have it. And it's upsetting because people would buy it. At least, I like North Carolina is probably not the most EV like obsessed state, but at least where we live, it's like a huge tech, pharmaceutical, research, university hub. EVs are everywhere here. Oh yeah, and there's Even tons of alternative EVs. and Leafs. Yeah, there are so many e-golfs and like Kia Soul EV first gens here that are like people had to get them from out of state to have one. It's like that's a commitment someone's had to make to have one. And there's a ton of them. So I feel like the, er, the demand is in areas like this. But they're going to just sell it in ZV states, call it a day, unfortunately, for a while. So, Well, to segue, speaking of things that we uh, don't get here, um, Polestar just came out with a <laughs> software update that uh, took a page out of Tesla's book and made the car a little bit faster. Uh, I think it added 67 horsepower. 50 kilowatts, I think, in a, in electrical terms. Yeah, so I think it lowered like the mid-range time uh, by 2.2 seconds, uh, which is pretty significant. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, another an additional 67 horsepower, you're going to notice that. Uh, I think they charged 1,000 euros for it, yep, uh, to unlock more power over in Europe. And apparently 400 people have already gotten the update for their car. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh, I never thought the Polestar 2 needed more power, but more power is always welcome. Uh, it kind of differentiates it more from the Volvo XC40 because it had the what same is it? It's like 43 time. to 80 miles an hour. Is there the biggest differences or something like that? Or 100 miles an hour yep. or whatever So that's like very typical yeah. Polestar fashion. So even when I owned my V90, when I looked at the Polestar tune, it was mainly like all mid-range punch where you felt the difference. It's not so much yeah. zero to 60. But the mid-range is still pretty excellent considering passing power or if you're out on a back road having some fun. I mean, you're not going to be yeah. out 0 to 60. It's, it's very usable performance where 0 to 60 is sort of a, you know, yeah, like kind of you'll notice it, but it's it's less realistically useful. Whereas like I need to merge or pass, that's more useful. Yeah. 
Um, so that's cool. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty exciting to see Polestar actually doing something with their software other than just no minor updates. It's cool that you can go in there and pull, like you mm-hmm. said, Austin, pull a page out of Tesla's book and be like, oh, if you give us a little bit more money, we'll make your car faster. Um, and I guess Volvo has done that in the past uh, on their you know, traditional ICE uh, powertrains too with the Polestar upgrades you could do, you could get. Um, so hopefully it does come to America. I'm sure that there are plenty of Polestar 2 owners over here who would love to see that update come in. And in reality, $1,000 is a pretty easy sum of money for people to pass with to gain an extra 67 horsepower. Uh, probably just for bragging rights. They're probably going to ask if it comes with a little badge they can put on the back of the car or in the grill, which I would. I want the badge. That's what I'm paying Absolutely. I want the badge. <laughs> well, kind of on a somewhat related note, not EV related, Stellantis recently um, was making a comment on how they plan to do uh, OTA updates um, for their fleet and how they already have done quite a few. But they have talked about how that's going to be a really big part of uh, their revenue in the future. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. interesting. And they mentioned Tesla specifically, obviously, in that article of how they've kind of been the, the first automaker to really market themselves more as a tech company. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting that uh, in the same uh, batch of news, uh, Polestar was doing just that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Very, very interesting stuff on the EV front. There's and- a lot of good potential for revenue streams. And good customer. Oh, absolutely. There's also just as much, if not more, potential for big revenue streams and customers hating everything about it. Yeah. So we'll see absolutely. how which companies do this right and which companies do this wrong because it could be a bit of a learning from a few of these companies here. Ben, yeah. I would love to pick your brain on that specifically because in my time at Tesla, I had a lot of people uh, have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth when they found out that Tesla wasn't selling or wasn't giving you everything that the vehicle could do um, when they bought it. And I remember having conversations with customers, having conversations with my manager at the time. And and he said it to me in a way that I think is pretty hard to argue with of when you buy a vehicle, you agree to get the car that you're getting for the money that you're paying. That's what a purchase is. So for them to come and say, hey, we can give you heated seats in the rear. You just have to pay two grand. Um, I don't think that's necessarily unfair because it's, I don't know. It's like if another company did that, I'd rather have the option to get it than the option to not. And I'd rather pay less for it if I don't plan on using it. Um, But I know other people will have mixed feelings about that. And I'd be interesting to hear your take on it. That's a good point i think of it two different ways i am a fan of being able to offer additional contents in a vehicle or options or price points by doing something like that if it truly works that way so in the case of model s 60 and model s 75 when they were the same battery pack um like 2016 2017 time period that was an interesting one because a lot of people when they learned that the 60 was a 75 seemed to be angry for some reason because they're like, oh, I'm get, not getting the whole battery. I imagine if you couldn't use your whole fuel tank, something like that. But the reality of it was at that time, it was far cheaper for Tesla to have one battery pack than two. And because they had that one battery pack and that lack of complexity between, you know, to offer 60 and 75, it made the 60 cheaper, which seems counterproductive. But when you look at the whole global scale of producing a car, it was the case for them. And it meant someone who had a 60 could upgrade and get more range if they wanted to down the road. I think that is really power and a little power. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. They were getting a flag and they would give you the at the cheapest possible price. And that was the thing for me with the 60 is it was so it was like 55 or 60. God, I cannot remember, but I remember Model S 60 rear drive seeming like a really good deal when they did the facelift uh, in 16 and a half. Yeah, that seemed like was. a really good deal at the time. I got in in early seventeen when I started working there, so I was I came on came in on the very tail end of that whole debacle. And what was I, the, I don't uh, know. Was it like ten grand or twelve grand to get the seventy five on top of it or something? It was. That was like seven, eight or 10, it was like sixty I something. I think. Yeah, it was actually really cheap. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was 
70, but I, I don't know. I just I had a lot of conversations with people where I would try my my whole tenure at Tesla, my whole like goal was to get people to think differently because they'd always mm-hmm. come in and have a what they read on the news and that was how they thought. And I always tried yeah. to shift that. And maybe I wasn't gonna sell them a car, but I always wanted to at least shift their mindset about how they thought about electric, how they thought about transportation, how they thought about green energy. Um, and actually, but, the other benefit of that whole 60, 75 thing was when we had a bunch of hurricanes, everyone got free yeah, 75s they, for a while, they which is kind of nice. And then the funny thing is, especially being down in Texas where where all that took place, a lot of people came in with like, instead of, wow, that's so cool that Tesla did that. They're like, wow, Tesla was holding out on all those owners. And I was like, no, yeah. that's not at all. I told yeah. people, like, if I talked to a car person about that, I was like, hey, you know that motor that you have in, like, whatever car you have? Did you know that in a lot of cases, those horsepower bumps you see year over year, they're not putting new equipment in those cars? They might just be adding a tune. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's just adding uh, this technology. Is... So that's the good side of it. I think the bad side of it is – BMW charging a yearly subscription for Apple CarPlay, which is something that they are not having to support with cost on there. And I'll just pay for the feature. That's fine. But like that was kind of, and they roll it back because people complained. Um, I think the heated seats thing is probably like a Model S 6075 scenario to just put heated seats in all the Model 3s is probably cheaper because that's not expensive hardware, but uh, it reduces all the complexity of production and parts and different SKUs that you need to have on hand. Yep. It'll be, I think actually uh, Tesla's done a very good job with their subscriptions. Like their premium data connectivity is pretty reasonably priced, 10 bucks a month, 128 years. That works out quite well for the amount of data you're allowed to do through it. It still doesn't allow you to do software updates, which is why. Just if I watch four hours of Netflix, but I can't download this 30, you know, like 300 megabyte software update, I have to connect the Wi-Fi. Just just do that. Throw that in, you know, please. But uh, they've done a good job with it. And uh, I'm trying to think of any companies that haven't really, other than BMW, they definitely screwed that up. I just I think it's so funny to me that BMW offered like CarPlay and it's like not a BMW proprietary anything. And they're like, yeah, you got to pay monthly for that. I know you can get that yeah. in the Camry. You gotta pay for that. You can get that um, in like everything now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, so, ev- everything comes standard with it. Maybe even wireless CarPlay. And BMW's like, nope, mm-hmm. you gotta pay for that. And we might even give you a light up grill too. So, I I think the case is like, does it add value? Or here's the thing: like, what is it? Mercedes Benz with the rear steering on the EQS or the S class, where you get five degrees without it, and if you pay the money, you get like ten degrees. They're I don't think that's happening this. anymore. Okay. Well, it was supposed to happen, and they're all made with the same part. On that one, uh, you know, like, sure, you're offering two options, and you made it so you can charge what you want, but it's hard to make a, like, good-faith argument on that because every single one's produced with the same hardware regardless. There's not an option to not have it or something like that. So that one, I... I don't see as easily, but I, I think like car subscriptions, network connectivity, um, feature map updates, or maybe we'll see a lot more of these car subscription stuff happening. So people may have to budget more than their monthly payment when they buy a car in the future. That could be a thing. Yeah. yeah you might save money on gas, but spend a little bit more on your, your subscriptions for whatever your car has. Everything has subscriptions. Yeah. It seems. God help you. Well, you yeah. Buy a gas guzzler and have to buy yeah, car subscriptions. Right? Poor <laughs> argument to go to EV. <laughs> well, even some manufacturers offer like certain features that you get for three years or thirty six thousand miles or something like that, and then after that, you have to pay for it if you want to keep those features. Like I know Volvo, for instance, has their on call. Um, which is good for the three years, 36,000 miles. Unless I think if you buy a CPO one, it goes a little longer. Um, but after that, if you want access to like the remote start or you know their concierge, you have to pay a certain amount of money a year. I think it's like $150 or something uh, a year to use it. So we're already starting to see some of that. As far as the subscription goes, I wouldn't be surprised to see more of it, especially on EVs where you can do over-the-air software updates much easier than on a gas motor or an ICE car. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting time. 
I wonder what Stellantis has in mind for all that billions of dollars of revenue they foresee. Is it going to be multimedia stuff or? Yeah. I mean, I feel like they haven't been as big on the EV push. So I feel like a lot of it would be. uh, (laughs) Well, their CEO says making EVs is hard. So. Yeah, ready for there's it. that. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it was uh, yeah, easy I, either, but yeah. I, I think probably like just uh, entertainment uh, and multimedia upgrades would be yeah. my guess. But who knows? I mean, it could be like your fancy ECUs you get for your tuners and you just have your tuner send over the air update to make your car faster. Maybe they'll do that what, too. Here's a question. Uh, what is a... EV or not EV, sorry, a, a car connectivity type subscription function you would have an interest in adding that you wish existed but doesn't exist yet. Because I've got an idea. I want to just have all parking and tolls and everything just paid through my car's account with the credit card on file. And I don't want to have to sign up for Easy Pass, park and go, any of that. I just want to be able to park the car, drive the car anywhere and not have to worry about bill by mail parking meters, any of that. I just wanted just like to tell all those systems, if this car is nearby, bill this, done. That I'd pay for. Especially if you lived in it like New York, DC metro area where that's really common. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, that's a good idea. That. I like that. Audi kind of has like that built in like toll pass thing where you yeah, can they upload do. your information. So it's kind of similar. Um, so that obviously that technology exists. So let's make it happen. Yeah, that could be a good one. There's a lot of... Po- Actually, I would love to... If anyone has an idea that they think should be one of these types of functions, tweet it at us. I'm curious to see if anyone's got some good ideas. I bet there's a ton out there. We'll give them or good ideas in the Discord. Of bad ideas. Yeah, or post in the Discord. This way, we can publish these ideas for companies so that they have good ideas and not bad ideas, like making you pay monthly for the Apple CarPlay that's already <laughs> in the car. Or you know, seats monthly. You know what could be really interesting is with uh, a stereo system in your car, maybe uh, manufacturers partnering with uh, musicians or audio uh, files to tune the stereo in your car over the air for that specific type of music. Like Mm. maybe, I don't know, like Nissan partners with, I don't know. Jay-Z. Jay-Z. And all of a sudden, Jay-Z's songs sound that much better in your Nissan with the new over-the-air Nissan multimedia update partner and collab with jay-z i don't know i think not that would bad, be really actually. interesting that's not bad actually i it's because a good one uh, I, I'm not an audio file. I'm, uh, uh novelty navigation voice directions <laughs> like if i went more yeah. than three to give me my turn by turn directions i'll pay like 10 bucks for that yeah. sure why not that'd be I think fun there's, there's a lot that i'm not a i'm not an audiophile by any means but uh jordan my brother is much more than i and every time i see him i just have him like tune my audio in my car to sound mm-hmm. good for the music that i like but yeah i think there's definitely something there because like it's like presets if you're if you've ever edited pictures on lightroom everybody's always got their presets they want to sell you that make your pictures <laughs> look like yeah better. oh yeah so maybe it's like that but for uh, that's a good idea yeah. i don't know especially, especially when you have high-end good. audio and you have a lot of stuff to tweak yeah, but you a lot can't of really stuff. tweak it in that fine of a detail that like you could from a OEM standpoint. Not as much as like an Altima, more so in like a, I don't know, like a Jaguar or one of the ones you get, like a Bowers and Wilkins mm-hmm. or like a very yeah. high audio or Volvo, most, yeah, or Burmester. Yeah. Yeah. Where the owner very likely doesn't know how to tune to the extent that their audio system will allow them to. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just one of my one of my many thoughts. Or maybe if you have a Ford, you can have it tuned to like Jason Aldean or something. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, depends on the F 150. Yeah, great segue, Mike. Um, so <laughs> F 150 electric, so you may not like Jason Aldean if you're interested in this. Um, they just closed the pre orders on one, so if you wanted to pre order one, too bad, those are closed as of today, I believe, as of December 8th. Um, and the order bank is going to begin in January and production to start, uh, in their words, early spring of, uh, 2022. So what are you guys thoughts? I feel like we haven't talked about the, uh, F-150 lightning on the podcast too much. We mainly talk about like Rivian. So what do you, what do you guys general thoughts? I feel like thoughts? they haven't what given us thoughts? enough info on like 
the bait i want to know like a bit about pricing and like i kind of want to know the top and bottom of it what it looks like because i think it'd be a whole lot more interesting if i knew how many miles i could go for how little money which i think is going to be the deal with this thing yeah i think that's huge i know uh when it first came out the the whole thing was like it starts as cheap as 40 grand um so i mean here's a fun little picture of the um Oh, I need to add that. Here's I actually think I like pictures. the base work truck spec the most. Right? Yeah, I think that is the work truck spec because you don't get the full light bar, which I actually kind of like the way that truck looks. Yeah. I like it without the, the light bar a lot. Yeah. It's got like a sport package on it too, I think. So it looks uh, it looks good. And I think if they can stick to that price point, which they probably can because you know they're a much larger manufacturer. I think they may know a thing or two about producing trucks. Yeah, that they're a little <laughs> familiar with that area. Uh, uh, they're gonna sell a ton of them, just like the Maverick. You know, the Maverick is selling it a lot because of its price point. And I think that alone think, is gonna bring a lot of people to the EV uh absolutely. Market. And here's it's a little yeah, on the screen, you can see the kind of uh, uh, progression of the reservations. And I think that's a little interesting. Just reminds me back in the in my days at Tesla, we were always talking about um, the how many reservations we got and how quickly. Um, this is really interesting. After like what, just over two months, they had over 100,000 reservations. Um, even talks of so many reservations that they're not that some reservation holders will not be promised 2022 model year trucks, um, which is quite interesting. Um, But here we go. I guess here's a, a quick little, I don't think we have all of the trim level specifics, but this is what they've announced so far. So they have the pro, the XLT, the Lariat and the platinum. I really like how they call the entry level model the pro rather right? than That's like how every XL company does everything. I'm surprised truck. it's not the sport because the sport is usually the go to for yeah uh, for the well. The, I think they mean the pro is going to be like fleet and professional usage and so okay, I, I can see that might be the one actual good use of the word that pro, pro because <laughs> it's going to be for actual like yeah. the guy who comes and fixes your roof is going to have this. The contractors, yeah. the plumbers, I think. Oh, they do say right up there. It's envisioned for professionals. Yeah, it's not oh, like pro in the Apple yeah. sense where oh, it's the expensive one, it's, but we still don't give you an SD one. card slot. I want to know: Are they going to have like a King Ranch? Because I think that would be Probably. incredibly ironic if they included a King Ranch in the in the uh, Lightning. I don't know. <laughs> I just well, I only uh, see that as a contrast. Like, EVs are perfect for a ranch. How big could a ranch be? It's not going to be more That's than three hundred miles. That's very across, true. Right? And we were actually talking about this uh, with one of my buddies who is really into like adventuring, and he has family that has land out in West Texas. And he's like, you know, now that I think about it, an electric truck would be great for a ranch because you wouldn't have to get your gasoline trucked out to the ranch. You could just plug it in and charge it at the barn. So yeah. you're welcome nice. forward for that. You got you to gotta at least make an ad campaign about <laughs> That's that. That's smart. I never even thought about this with a farm because almost all your work is on this huge it's plot on the of farm. land. Yeah. And to fuel everything up, you got to leave. Oh, why are we yeah. not getting on EV tractors, leave. guys? Come on. You got to leave or you got to have fuel <laughs> taken to your actual ranch, which I feel like a lot of them probably do that because the closest gas station probably, you probably burn. Oh, yeah. And if you're in rural areas, even oh. getting there. So we're I could never do that without here. an electric car. <laughs> I could not live on a farm without EVs. It would drive me nuts. <laughs> if the gas station's not directly on the way of somewhere I'm going in a gas car, it's not happening. It's just going to have to wait until the car runs out of fuel or something. I'll push before I go out of my way for gasoline because I hate doing it. So the pricing, like you said, Ben, hasn't been announced just yet. But the um, the or the range, right? The range hasn't either. But the speculations around price, or at least I guess the pre-announcements, have like been forty to ninety thousand dollars, or even ninety plus, which covering all is, the bases. Yeah, which is fairly standard for a lot of Ford's trucks because you can get like that super base level, just XL or Pro or whatever they call it for the the worker. And then you have your Platinums that are ridiculously priced 
nicer than yeah. a Lincoln, like top the line. I am so fairly positive, like a limited, which is above the platinum trim F one fifty, is like ninety thousand dollars or ninety one thousand dollars for. The I know you can get an F two fifty above a hundred grand. Yeah, for sure, or a three hundred and fifty or four hundred and fifty. Yeah, limited. I don't know if you can get the F-150 priced over six figures new, but I know the the F-2s and the the 3 Series, a 3 Series, what is this, BMW, the F-350s will go up um, (laughs) beyond that. And I'm curious for y'all because this is probably going to be a slightly different segment than we're used to seeing with the truck buyer population. What type of trim levels do you think will be hot? Do you think it'll be a lot of people just wanting an electric truck so they'll get more of the base level or do you think it will be people looking for those premium features so they'll be going for more of the the platinum trim levels i think consumers are obviously going to go for what they go for now which is like the expensive stuff because trucks are luxury vehicles too many buyers but i think and what i and i don't know if i think but what i hope to see is the base work truck ones everywhere because a business owner is going to see through the all the muck of EVs range, blah, 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 all that like kind of, you know, FUD that's not necessarily re- the reality of ownership of an EV uh, and go, this thing's going to cost me nothing to run. And it's approximately the same price as a normal one. And I don't have downtime for service. I don't have uh, unexpected issues. And it's going to just fuel is not going to be a thing anymore. I don't need a generator on site because it's going to have a power tax credit, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think as a business owner, if you have the ability to power these vehicles at your base of operations, no one's taking more than a hundred miles in any direction outside of their normal area of operation, you know, for a large percentage of businesses, at least, because you're not going to pay your employees to drive two hours realistically or more to get to a job site and then have them only do less work and then come back. You're going to focus in your area. So these like, I think 200 miles real world range is going to be plenty for that sort of a work truck. Yeah. Delivering all day. Ben, I think like we see now, I mean, odds are you're going to see way more platinum and Lariat F-150 lightnings sold at first even though I think the XLT will probably be enough for just about everybody. I don't think you need to get, you know, the Larry or platinum most like just like people now don't need to get the platinum or even King ranch version of the F one fifty to drive to the mall and to your office job in really, but it's definitely more of a luxury truck. So it makes sense. But I also hope that you just see way more of the Pro or XLTs around because I think those trucks right there are going to be the sweet spot of the lineup, especially price wise. Mm-hmm. I bet you an XLT will probably touch 60, maybe a little more because right now they already do because you can get a pretty well option. Um, but I don't think you really need to spend any more than that on that vehicle or on most cars in reality mm-hmm. tell you what ben i'm excited for and what i hope to see is pros and xlts fitted out with like truck bed campers and off-road suspension <laughs> and yeah. i want to see the electric overlanding scene full yes, of these please. things like a oh, tremor yeah. version yeah because i think rivian is going to be obviously like massive in that but with a higher starting price point the people that want to take their adventures off-road but maybe don't have 70k to get the rivian that they want um not just that but you have to be pretty comfortable with the idea of breaking something that is 70 80 thousand dollars while doing exactly and getting it dirty which is a little harder to swallow than say forty five thousand dollars and a ford different like and a ford that's another thing f-150 is like when when i think of a ford f-150 i think of like i will never have problems getting this thing fixed because Mm-hmm. There are because it's the best selling truck in America. They're really proud mm-hmm. of that. And there are dealers um, everywhere, unlike yeah, Rivian, which is really good Absolutely brand. everywhere. And it's probably been parts binned with the F-150 for a lot of the the mm-hmm. like suspension oh, components, yeah, the, the stuff, things yeah. that would a- actually break if you were doing something like that. Um, you Jumping could go in. to O'Reilly's. Yeah, if you were going off like 20-foot jumps, you can go to O'Reilly's and get you a replacement whatever and they probably have it um yeah i don't know i think it's very very exciting when i first saw how cheap they were going to be i was like i'm going to buy one and just take it overlanding i'm just going to live out of it yeah that's actually a really good idea 
like that would be really neat. And especially if Ford does start offering like an accessory or like a third party company starts offering accessories for the overlanding off-roading community. Like, as we mentioned, that's Rivian's focus. But right now, if you were to pre-order a Rivian, you're probably not going to get it at truck until 2023 or 2024. And they only have about 60,000 pre-orders, I think. Um, whereas Ford will be able to sell probably 150,000 trucks in that same time of the Lightning, uh, just that, for the sheer manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And the have. interesting thing is Ford has been talking about how your truck can power your house, right? That's kind of yeah. been their yeah, whole thing. Yeah, that's a big selling point. Um, with overlanding, that's a big thing, is everybody that has an overlanding rig will typically have a solar and a battery setup, and their battery setup has to be capable of powering any accessories that they're going to use. So like whether that be a stove, whether that be a heater, um, your air conditioning, if they have an air conditioning unit on their camper. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that the F-150 has an inherent advantage because it's a big battery. So I don't know. I just find that there's a lot of possibilities there. And I really hope that we see like the aftermarket really take a hold of that. I hope that like SEMA 2022 is just full of like electric Light trucks. Right? Be good. But uh, I can't think of another, a, another like competition to that outside of the Rivian. Like, I don't know of any other mm-hmm. electric trucks that would be available so soon. Uh, Hummer EV maybe, but that's a hundred thousand dollar truck. Yeah. You're, and, you're, and it's a whole other thing. You're eclipsing um, Rivian by a lot. And you're also driving. That's a flex like, machine. That's, yeah, and yeah, it's the size really, of like yeah. an F three fifty, right? It's like it a massive thousand pounds. <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of scary. Yeah. I know. Um, first it, thing I want to take off road. There are currently 3,005 Ford dealership service centers in the United States. So that actually, I think, is a huge advantage to the F-150 Lightning is you can be in really the middle of nowhere. And whether or not they're like the most skilled with EV stuff, they're going to be able to order a part, have the instructions on how to put it on there. Worst case scenario, if you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, I, you know, that's a pretty strong case to be made for an EV these days when so much of people's concerns is how close is it to get serviced or because it's new technology and that i think that is a huge thing you know having such a reputation behind it as far as locations and availability um you know i'm sure there's probably more than that a number of locations that might even just be fleet specific that don't come up in that search absolutely and with rivian i mean rivian i believe plans on having like remote field techs like doing the whole thing yeah like doing where they'll go yeah. to your house and i thought they're gonna rent space inside of like amazon warehouses or something as well to like help localize shops well they're and... gonna have like service centers like there is one in denver it's just obviously yeah. not open yet they have um, one in denver so they're miles away from me so you know there's plans <laughs> for a drive. salt lake and i think one in dallas actually as well but it it can't really hold a candle to 3000 <laughs> and yeah, yeah that's yeah, a lot not, not to mention too i think the fact that they ford being who they are with manufacturing they're they're going to parts spin as much as they can and mm-hmm. i think realistically if you were on an off-road adventure what has the possibility to break is probably not drivetrain related it's more likely something outside of that like you you high center on something and a skid plate or, or something in your suspension just gives uh, out a CV boot or something. Bend, yeah, like it, yeah. You could bend a uh, suspension linkage. All that stuff's going to be easy to come by. That's actually a really strong benefit. That's going to be a, a Ford F-150 part. It might be a little bit beefed up because it's electric and it may weigh a little bit mm-hmm. more, but even still a lot of those parts are over-engineered because they're on a truck that may have a load on them. So I don't know. And they're probably going to be dirt cheap because oh, you, when F-150 is certainly the <laughs> most produced vehicle in the world, you know that like toe arm link on the rear suspension is going to be <laughs> yeah. dirt cheap when like you need one. $37, yeah. It's going to probably be like yeah. $3. <laughs> yeah, Rivian, it's like, you know what? That's the part that isn't being sold for service yet. We're we don't sell that part separately. Them. It's only sold yeah. as an entire left suspension package or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, in yeah. reality, if this does turn into like that off-roading overland thing, it really makes me rethink wanting a Rivian now. <laughs> I think it's actually interesting, like yeah. I think like we should maybe really... start a venture of... of uh, a aftermarket Ford F-150 overlanding supposedly. I was going to say, we might just came up with a new idea for a company, boys. 
We should uh, create Lightning Lander. It's the competition to the Cyber Lander uh, <laughs> like camper. I bet we could <laughs> take reservations now. You could just mail me a thousand dollars. Yeah, I'll keep yeah. track of it. Whatever probably. you yeah. want to pay, fifty to ten thousand dollars, we'll take. Yeah, it's really a pay what you're comfortable with solution. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, be in the giving spirit when you mail in the checks. <laughs> We may or may not have a good product for you when uh, everything is ready. Which I'm handy with two by fours and some plywood. There, there could be a downside to that because uh, unlike the uh, Cyberlander, the product is probably going to start getting made in four months. But I'll have to deliver. <laughs> All right, that's a whole other can of worms. Um, on the topic of Ford, something that I love talking about, I feel like every time I've been on the podcast, this has come up at least once. Um, and Mike, you actually mentioned that you may be seeing one of these more frequently. Um, yeah. The Maverick, Ford Maverick, uh, Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, has hinted that that product line may be expanding. So we might be seeing something like the Mustang Mach-E. Um, there's been uh, spottings of the Maverick being tested um, with a what looked to be a raised suspension. So maybe like a Maverick raptor variant i really don't want to see that one that would be <laughs> I, think really I think it ruins the point of what the maverick is I, I think that would be really hard to pull off but personally what i'm more excited about is the hinting at apparently ford is gauging interest in producing the st trim of the ford maverick which i think suits it a lot better and being a fiesta st owner myself i love the idea of it however i don't Subaru, like the uh-huh. Competitive. Uh, yeah. Actually, I, this could be cool. I don't like what Ford's been doing with the ST nameplate, just throwing it on the Explorer and throwing it on the edge. I feel like that kind of devalued it a little bit because the Focus and the Fiesta were really solid, really good cars. And they just kind of threw it on the semi-hot version of their SUVs and called it a sport trim. But I don't know. I think that's really interesting. If they could, just but would you not it. forgive them if they made like a sporty little pickup truck that was like oh, kind of low? In a but no, I think way. it's okay. Yeah, and it's then totally you've broken fine. the door. Yeah. It's fine. I think it. I think it's cool if they do that because it kind of gives me like that old Toyota Tacoma X Runner. Uh, yeah, like, they were just little extended cab lowered pickup trucks. You can get them with a six speed manual. Uh, you can even throw the TRD supercharger on it. Yep, they were only rear wheel drive. Um, now the factory Maverick supercharger was available. Drive. Yep, fact, factory supercharger on the X Runner. Like it was really cool. And Toyota actually did sell quite a few of them. So I think a Maverick ST could potentially turn into something really spicy and interesting. You know, throw in that little 2.3 liter EcoBoost motor and all wheel drive. I doubt we'll see a manual. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Um, I have no but idea if that transmission cool. is actually like enjoyable or not, but you know. Yeah, I've not driven a modern Mustang of any great distance lately. So. <laughs> but I'm all aboard for expanding the Maverick line, mainly because uh, I believe my stepdad is actually going to order one. Uh, the one that he wants, though, is just literally when I asked him, what do you want in a car? Because right now he drives a really, really old Ford Explorer a 2002 Ford Explorer that my family bought brand new back in 02, but it's definitely on its last leg. It's got a lot of little issues and the paint's fading off kind of like our Lexus has been, but, <laughs> uh, but he was like, I just want power windows and air conditioning. I'm like, perfect. Good news. That's all you got Almost the XL every car. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, you have lots control. of options. Cruise control. No, he said he doesn't care about cruise really control. interesting. I would go, he would never SPT. really use it purely for that reason because i would want to take it on all the road trips but i how much go, does cruise control cost to install in a car it can't be that much. like can it just be a standard aftermarket no you i thought it was i was surprised it didn't have it that's crazy it comes with I, LED I think headlights I think and apple car play is right i think but that's no cruise control that nope. well i can see the led headlights and the car play because like it makes it so much easier to not have to have different units kind of like what we were talking about with the yeah. whole Tesla yeah thing. manufacturing way easier to streamline it that way but cruise control i don't know i feel like that is also one of those things that would make it quite difficult to have a variation of that without it but i also think that's one you of those features module in it probably yeah hey, actually think- you know what this is brilliant because someone who's shopping for a new car the things they're going to check for 
Apple CarPlay, like these sort of like techie features. Oh, I want my new car to have these. They're not going to think. Is my new car still going to have cruise control? No one's going to think that. The car will be sold long before someone realizes the mistake. I think. <laughs> and I Ford think will have made an extra $46. <laughs> that could be part of it, though, of them trying to bump people up to the next trim level. Because they Could advertise be. this XL, it's what is it, nineteen nine nine five or whatever. So they're under yeah 24. before destination. Yeah, before yeah. destination, which is that on shouldn't every be allowed. This thing ever yeah, it's if I have to pay it. Just put it in the price. Just put it in there. Um, but, but you get steel wheels. So. Steel wheels are cool, but I think it's one of those things where they're trying to bump you up to the next trim level. Like they can still say that they offer it, and there probably will be a lot of people like your stepdad Mike who will use it and not need it. But for somebody who is looking for cruise control, they have to bump up to the XLT. Oh, yeah. To get it. I remember. And there are a lot of people who don't. I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I never use cruise control. So, I, I, think I mean, like, they're, that problem, market I mean, exists. I and if it's a work truck, that. who cares? Your employees drive it, not you. Yeah, exactly. So, I think the but work yeah, truck, they killed exactly. it. Because that's a lot of those XLs are probably going to be bought for fleet use. I actually saw mm -hmm. a Maverick XL when I was in Connecticut over Thanksgiving break. Uh, blue with the steel wheels and it looked really freaking good <laughs> that was awesome. the first one i've actually seen in person driving down the road um, was it that kind of like lighter it wasn't the dark blue i don't know if... uh, it was the lighter blue okay i, th I think yeah, that's the only good. one i've seen as well um but yeah they look so cool they look i want to see that light green color that they have that like, yeah minty almost color mm -hmm. lunar rock i like their color like... palette to be honest i like the orange too i would do that Especially uh, if it was an ST. Yeah, I'd go for the one. <laughs> well, yeah, see, there you go. ST only needs to be offered in uh, blue, black, or Tangerine Scream. Yeah, and white. The, the, color, the, color, the color palette they had for the Fiesta ST, it's funny because I'm in the, all the Facebook groups and the nerd groups. You have Green Envy was that obnoxious light green yeah, color you see. Yeah, super bright. Orange Spice was a fun one. Uh, the seats that I have in mind are, are molten orange is what people call them. There's also a molten orange color. They have a bunch of cool names and a bunch of unique colors. Um, Good yeah, news. Just white just back. like Oxford white. Yeah, there's Oxford <laughs> like, white. And there always was like what their white is called. Platinum white was the white they replaced it with in 2017, I think. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Very interesting. And I, they do have a really nice color palette and – I don't know. I'm very curious to see because I think there could be a lot of things they alter for future model years for the for the Maverick. Mm -hmm. I think for this first year, it's going to be fairly limited. But I would love to see yeah. like alternative, like maybe an all-wheel drive hybrid option because right now you can only get yeah, that'd be nice. Drive. Um, I don't know, like in different Which, trim levels, like the ST. I suspect or, we'll see a lower one, a taller one, and what else is after that? Really, do we think? all-wheel drive hybrid maybe i would love to see all-wheel drive hybrid um, do you think they'll make it into an suv off the same platform like well, a little but that's kind of bronco based, sport it's a bronco sport yeah, that's kind of slightly elongated so i don't know if they'll do suv on that because two door have, that would be cool give me a little two-door one never right? i don't know no they'll never do that <laughs> well no they can make it two-door so they get a like six and a half foot bed or whatever the size yeah. people seek is because i know it's a short bed Get rid of the back seat and have a big bed. Four and a half Hopefully foot, I think, can. is what it is. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. What's the rigid? Is it just like five feet? It's not even five and a half. I think it's a little short. I think the a lot of the full-size trucks with the, the crew cab is like quarter? five and a quarter <laughs> or five and a half usually. Yeah. Five and a half and, and six and a like half for the size of Six foot bed. On a crew cab, or you can do the eight foot bed, which looks ridiculous. On a if you ever cab. get an eight foot bed on a crew cab truck, like you stick a solid like five feet out of a normal parking spot. Oh it yeah, looks insane. I don't know how what anyone was that drives to, uh, Toyota Tundra we saw a while ago. That was like the big cab with the like eight foot bed. It was oh huge. yeah, it was um, it was a Toyota. So it was the first time I've actually seen this that I can remember. It was wild. It, it came the around the corner cab. and it just kept coming around the corner. Yeah, but it was the quad <laughs> cab or the Toyota Tundra extended cab, which still has four doors, but one of them's like a little half door with the little uh, like clamshell style yeah. handle. But it had an eight foot bed on it, and I've never seen an eight foot bed. Uh, on like any Tundra that wasn't cab. a regular cab. Yeah. It was just the strangest proportions of a vehicle I've ever it, seen. I, I was like, it had to have been custom ordered. Some old man went in there and went, I need an eight foot bed, but I need to haul my grandkids around too. 
And yeah, he's for the man who needs to carry large items and small people. I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen quite a few of those, but I think Texas has a much larger truck segment. Um, oh, yeah. I remember a few weeks ago, uh, I think it was my wife. Somebody said, hey, I saw this six-door truck. And I was like, what? <laughs> or maybe it was a Suburban. And somebody had modified it. And sure enough, it was oh, six man. doors. And I think it had a small bed on it. And I was just like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've seen in my entire it's life. It's like, it's kind of like, I bet you you've seen these down in they uh, call it the Texas, Texas Austin, Yeah, Where you could get like a, uh, a Ram 3500 Mega Cab Dually. But the Dually bed is like five and a half feet. So it, it's a really stumpy looking truck. And I've seen mm-hmm. them, like, I know that they exist. I just it's, saw one recently. It's but it's disgusting. super rare to see, especially when you put like a fifth wheel attachment in it. Like, I don't, I don't really understand the mega cab dually thing. Um, but this is, we have moved on. Like, that is way bigger than a Maverick. So, <laughs> wait, like- while we're on this tangent, I want to bring up this is just a uh-huh. shout out to Duraburb <laughs> Incorporated. Which is a company in Florida that will take a Suburban, oh, put a Duramax in it, uh, the diesel engine General Motors makes, and then they'll take the frame underneath, which is based off a 1500 truck chassis. And they'll put a heavy duty 3500 series chassis in it with like the big axles and transmission differentials. Instead of like a five lug wheel, you get like a, I don't know, eight or some ridiculous number of bolts holding the wheel on. And eight lug. Eight lug, yeah. They make a variant which is 1,050 horsepower and does a quarter mile in 11 seconds, which, by the way, is what a Hellcat does in the quarter mile. Just wanted to share that. See, that's that was cool. $145,000. Pretty good value, actually. The diesel <laughs> trucks are very fast. Like a Cummins yeah. that's been tuned and whatever had the oh, yeah. EGR, whatever the deletes are that you do to get all the, the smog stuff out of the way. They're yeah quite quick which is just frustrating on texas roads because i'm in my little fiesta on a highway <laughs> going 15 over on the, the highway because everybody does and then i get my doors blown off by a guy in a 2500 who just really needs to get to i don't know where people barbecue what a burger by the way Durberb still gets 26 miles per gallon that's the crazy that's so it's wasted like seven and a half I've only ever seen, i saw one i saw a Durberbin once driving to nashville and i used to live in tennessee it was just driving like i did weekly pretty much just driving up all of a sudden i looked over i'm like huh that suburban looks funny like it was it had the different it's a little taller on it. up. Yeah, yeah it's it got like taller, the truck wheels. And then it had a big it. exhaust. I'm like, that's weird. So I drove up on it and it turned off on the side. It said Duramax right on the door. Yeah. It was definitely a Duraburban conversion because it looked yeah. completely factory. That's the best company ever, Duraburb. So you know exactly what they're doing right from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you a Maverick going back to the truck that started this whole tangent conversation. A uh, two-liter EcoBoost Maverick tuned could be kind of spicy. Mm-hmm. I bet you there are some. Is that the same engine at it. as the Mustang four-cylinder? No, it's, like the, the, horsepower? The, no, it's two point three in the Mustang. Mustang uh, and the okay. Focus RS had slightly different variants of a two point three liter. Hence the head um, gasket issue. <laughs> Oh. Uh, yeah they don't like to talk about that um but i think i can't remember i think the focus st had that two liter in it um or something very similar it to had, it. yeah i think it's very similar to the ford mm-hmm. like you you would see it in like the fusion a lot the, the fusion had it the, uh i think some of the um what is the i'm blanking on the uh, escape um had oh, it yeah, well. escape, yeah um but yeah i mean ford had a reputation there especially with the fiesta of overbuilding their turbo engines to where they can take a whole lot more stress from the factory and they don't need a whole lot of help um mm-hmm. so i hope that that's the case and i hope that the automatic transmission in it is is good um, yeah still not driven one so I've heard good things. A lot of the reviews that I've seen on it have been really great. Um, and most of the reviews that I've seen have been on the two liter all wheel drive variant. Cause a lot of the YouTube channels that I've been getting them have been getting them specifically for off-road testing. So of course they're <laughs> not going to get anything but the all wheel drive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see kind of where that aftermarket goes, especially after seeing that one at SEMA and, a lot of the people in my focus and Fiesta groups that I'm in have expressed interest in 
getting them and modifying them and turning up the boost on that two liter and seeing what, what yeah. it can do. So I don't know. Yeah. I think it could be really cool. I think it's cool to see the mini truck scene kind of making a comeback. And just what I also think is cool about the Maverick in general is just the like the age demographic that is going to buy this truck. So you're going to have younger people in their twenties, just buying their first new car because yeah. one, the entry level is for DIYers. Their first truck. Yeah. I mean, first time homeowners or couples or anyone, single people live in the city. It's easy to park on the street. You don't have to park. this. It's massive not much bigger truck. than an SUV. Yeah. And then you're going to have no retirees who are going to buy it for the same reasons. <laughs> like yeah. pretty much, so many you know? people want a truck, but don't want to deal with like truck gas the mileage size, of a, the size yeah. of a truck and the cost of the parts on a truck. Um, and on the quick note on the DIYer thing, have you guys seen that they have little um, spots all over the interior of the car that have a slot for a 3D printed accessory? So you can 3D cool. print your own accessories. So it can be like cup holders. It can be like grocery bag holders. It can be anything mm -hmm. you want it to be. And they're kind of in the front and in the back, kind of strategically oh, placed. And they give you like smart. whatever the, the file is for the 3D printing like receiver. And then you put whatever you want on the outside of it. Uh, uh, I like look, this ben, idea. You have a reason to That's use your cool. 3D printer now. So I'm kind of like, if you buy a camera here, it's been used ben like has five times over five years. <laughs> that he is used maybe twice since i've known him maybe maybe three times so Look, now he can for itself you slowly like but surely. slots and things like that for you yeah <laughs> so reach out to ben he has a 3d printer it might take a little while, yeah if you're listening will... to the podcast and you have a maverick hit up ben <laughs> actually yeah uh, i i would i'll do one i'll do a couple they do have the same thing in the bed um where they have different yeah slots that's really like two by fours and like so you can make a flat tray above the wheel arches in the bed um so a lot of really cool stuff like specifically and they uh, on the higher level trims they have an outlet back there and they have electrical running to the bed where you can put your own uh, mm -hmm. electrical accessories they have so much cool stuff that's like built in for diy that i think is really cool that's a good idea too because i'm gonna show you on the bus when they launched the current generation supra uh they had all these like fake vents on it and they're like oh when people modify these they're gonna take the vents out and like actually run those for <laughs> cooling but like half the vents were just body panels on top of other body panels so if you took it out it just leads to a metal fender beneath the plastic fender so there was like nothing of truth. Yeah, there's like nothing of truth behind any of that at all. And even if they were realistically going somewhere, some of the places they went would be the worst possible place to like in inject air. Like your rear wheel well doesn't really help in there. Uh, but then hurts, here's yeah. Ford with these like little 3D printed receptacles, and they give you the info that you need to like make your own thing that attaches to it. So you don't have to like map out and do all this tedious measuring to figure out what the the slot is that's that's awesome it's good job ford i'm gonna buy a f-150 lightning now i've decided i like <laughs> ford all of a sudden i guess oh, you can't reserve now. it anymore you have to just well, i have to wait a year i gotta, gotta wait to just buy one yeah i think they could turn up production on those pretty quick oh i think they will yeah but i mean we uh we filled an hour guys just the three just three of us filled it in it's amazing. Thanks. It was a fun, yeah. this week's fun topic. Off topic. Yeah, this yeah. week's topic. <laughs> Enjoy whatever we feel like. I hope you enjoyed the tangents. Uh, I think we will call it there. Um, if everyone wants to give themselves a shout out, we have uh, Mike at Mike underscore Breeling. Yes, I'm on Twitter. Ben at Benji at underscore OOS also on Twitter. Mm -hmm. and you can, is, can come yell at me for not buying in the tesla for my next electric vehicle like everyone else if you'd yeah. like yell at ben <laughs> uh, for that and also yeah. yell at ben for not getting a rivian because he's changed his mind to a f-150 <laughs> um, and then you can find me on instagram at flywheel films uh, guys i think we will we'll call it there mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. 